Welcome to the Filmmaker Mixer Podcast. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined alongside my co-host, Jeff, as always. Today, we have on animator, Andrew Kelleher. Andrew talks about his career in animation and his new slapstick animated film, The Beatles vs. The Stones. Hello, everybody. This is the Filmmaker Mixer Podcast. And just a quick note, when we recorded this podcast, the animation we're going to be talking about today, Beatles vs. Stones, was not available to the general public because the film was still in a lot of film festivals. Now that we're actually airing the podcast, the show is available, and I highly recommend you watch it. One, it's just really entertaining. It's a great piece of animation. But also, I think you'll get a lot more out of the show if you've seen the animation first, because we talk a lot about the animation style and, and how Andrew Kelleher pulled off such a great piece of work. So you can find it on YouTube. You can just search uh, Beatles vs. Stones Animation. It's by Dog and Rabbit, or you can go to the Dog and Rabbit YouTube channel. We will also have the link in the description. So back to the show. Hello, everybody. This is the Filmmaker Mixer podcast, and today we are talking with Andrew Kelleher. Andrew is half of the London-based animation studio Dog and Rabbit. Andrew has directed numerous commercial animations, and he is the creator and animator of Dog Judo and Incredible Noise Box. I, <laughs> I love those titles. They're really, they're really fun. Uh, if you haven't seen Dog Judo or in his uh, YouTube channel, Incredible Noise Box, you definitely got to check them out. They're, they're really fun. Dog Judo, for example, is a series of 128 comedy animations starring two dogs that want to do judo but never do. <laughs> and Andrew's latest animation, The Beatles vs. The Stone, just screened at the Portland Festival of Cinema, Animation, and Technology, and it's a really, really clever piece. I loved it. Uh, Andrew, welcome to the show. Hello. Nice to be here. Thank you very much. Well, before we dig into uh, your animation projects, which, uh, again, are really, really clever, um, I'm always curious with our guests, how did you get interested in animation? How did you get interested in filmmaking and storytelling? How did that start for you? Well, I kind of fell into animation a little bit. I used to like um, writing stories, so I always used to write stories, and then I would give them to people and uh, expect them to read them, but they they never would. And uh, <laughs> as as a human, you kind of notice that people stare at screens. You know, we've all been in a in a pub or something, and a screen's on, and it'll be a load of rubbish. It'll be a really bad advert, and people will be staring at it. So I thought I better I better get a visual, otherwise no one's going to listen to a word I say or write. So. I kind of fell into animation, really, and I did. Uh, I was always quite good at drawing. Don't want to be blowing my own trumpet here, but I was better than a few of the kids in my class, at the very least. And I, I did a animation, uh, sorry, an illustration degree, and um, just kind of uh, don't know. Just wanted to make the make the things move, so people looked at them. People people liked things that move, so that's how I got into animation. No, no big love story there, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I want to jump into your film, uh, Beatles vs. Stones. Uh, it's really clever. I mean, it's it's so out of the box. It reminded me a lot of, uh, you know, Terry Gilliam style of animation. So, you know, I have to ask, where did that idea come from? It, again, it was kind of um, just thinking about myself. I, I wasn't, uh, <laughs> I wanted to make something that I, I really liked and enjoyed doing because it's usually the things that people really enjoy doing. that You, you notice it and, it and it comes through and... and um, other people like it for that reason so i just wanted to to make something that was a lot of fun to make because you know animation can be fun but a lot of it really isn't so um i've made a film about the beatles and the stones having a big fight with each other custard pies pushing each other over and um, slapstick <laughs> comedy 
yeah, it's yeah, just, just, uh, just pure fun. Yeah, for those who haven't seen it yet, and I don't know, is it? A, I know we got to see it because of the screener you had, and I know you've had it at the film festival. Is it available for the general audience to watch? It is. There's a trailer up at the moment. Um, gotcha. We're gonna we're gonna put it put the whole thing up very soon. But if you uh, if you go and look at Dog and Rabbit YouTube channel, it will be up there first, and that that should be that will be next month. So. Yeah, I I recommend people watch that trailer. You know, to to get more uh, out of this conversation because I want to talk, you know, kind of a deep dive into how you pulled that off. Um, but just just for context, try and describe, if you can, you know, what this 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 show is is and what it's about. Okay, so my style of animation is photo cut-out. So um, to visualize it, I suppose Terry Gilliam would be the most obvious. He's like the, um, the forefather of photo cut-out animation. It's where you literally take a, a photograph and cut it out and you make sections and, and you make it move. So um, I've been doing that for, it's 20 years this year I've been doing photo cutout animation. And um, I think I've, I've got slightly better at it over those the 20 years. So <laughs> I, I do a lot of a lot of layers these days. And um, so I would take an image of an album cover such as, at, at the very end of this film, um, it's not really a spoiler alert because um, you, you'd know that Sergeant Pepper would be in this animation iconic piece of artwork but it's got about it's got 60 people i think um could be more on the cover so i have chopped all of those up and and made them move so to do that you've got to backfill a lot of the photographs in it's a big old long process but it's one that i strangely enjoy a lot of the time and uh yeah i've, I've made them all slap each other about and um it's, it's pretty hard to explain i suppose there's lots of album covers <laughs> that have a fight I, <laughs> I take iconic images that were made by somebody else and um bring them to life so it's it's like uh it's like terry gilliam and max sennett kind of it's it's a re it's really <laughs> it's pretty funny yeah well it, it was a, a true joy to make i found myself thinking about it all the time and, and looking up album covers and having a thousand different ideas on, on what they could do and uh yeah it's the most uh fun i've had animating well staying on the gags like you're talking about the albums fighting each other how did you plan that all out? Did you script it? Did you storyboard it? Or did you just kind of find it as you were animating it? Well, I started off by doing a one-off, which was Heavy Road. So there's a there's a big hand comes down and flicks the Volkswagen Beetle onto the zebra crossing and knocks over some cardboard cutouts of the Beatles. And, um, and I, I enjoyed doing that a lot. It was kind of quick to do. So it looked good and it was fun and it was quick. So if you've got those three things going for you, you've got to do more. So... I um I thought of a, a story which would other people would like as well as me, and um, there's always been this this talk about the, the rivalry between the Beatles and the Stones, but um, they're actually friends in real life, and uh, but I, I wanted to um, ignore that that important fact and have them pushing each other over and putting custard pies into their faces, and um, just doing something that would um, just be a lot of fun, and I wouldn't get bored of and. I did it for a long time and it's three minutes long and I still didn't get bored. How long was the overall process for you animating it? It was something that I had to do between, between jobs because, uh, you know, paid work comes in and, and gets in the way of the fun stuff. So I had to earn a living, which, you know, that's, that's out of order. That, that's, um, that's unfair having to earn a living, but so it's very stop and start. It's probably over the course of two years, that I was doing it. There, there was a, a couple of really good animators helping me as well. Well, that actually brings me to another question I wanted to get to. It's kind of 
you're maybe a is there a different workflow process when working on an animation film like the Beatles versus Stones versus a more um commercial production and, and when it comes to animation or just how you tackle your own individual workflow? Yeah, definitely. The the main difference is that when you're doing something like for a commercial, you would set it up in a way where you can you can change stuff because people, you know, there's going to be between you and the client, there's, there could be as many as 10 people with opinions. And, and, you know, sometimes people say stuff for the sake of saying stuff and um, you have to make changes, even though it was it was perfectly good in the first place. So <laughs> but with this, you don't have to do that. You don't have to set the project up in a complicated way, knowing that you'll make changes. You have an idea and you just do it, which is a wonderful freedom. So I'm not being too down on the um, commercial animation world here. I do like getting paid work. It's very important. I've got a, I've got a house I have to pay for, but, um, <laughs> but this is a lot more fun. We've had other filmmakers on the show who've done animations. Uh, you know, David Shin Miller and Carolyn Gare, um, and they've all talked about their different inspirations. You know, um, Carolyn was a, a a big Tex Avery fan, and and so forth. And I know you mentioned Terry Gilliam. I'm curious, did you have other uh, animators, you know, maybe early in your early in your career, or maybe as a kid watching growing up. I mean, who who all inspired you? I'm a little bit strange as an animator, really, in that I didn't watch a great deal of animation. I, I got into it because I wanted to. I had a lot of ideas, and I wanted to get the ideas out there. I wanted to um, get faster animation so as I could just get the ideas out. But uh, yeah, I mean, I watched a lot of cartoons. You have to as a kid. It's important, and I loved them. But <laughs> I, I didn't have any direct influences really i just wanted to get my ideas out there well i'm curious also um in in the actual animation process you were talking about um you know photo cutouts and things like that is that i'm, I'm trying to to picture what that looks like like a day of animation are you you know working on like a flat stand or do you incorporate any computers or is it um i mean you know like uh i know with stop motion you got to have a dp and light things a certain way to try to get the look you want is that the same with the style you do or or is it totally different there's there's a few different different um it, it depends on the job really there, there's uh there, there are some jobs where you have to get the light and right it, it's very important that the things look like they belong in the same world um but w with something like the beatles versus the stones it's, it's taking an album cover everything's already nicely set up by the art director Obviously, we've got permission for to use two hundred of these albums. We got in touch with individually with every member of the band and all that. Oh wow! Um, well, no, I, I might I might have lied there. That might be an outright lie. <laughs> but um, it's already set up really nicely by these amazing art directors. So it's just a joy to work on the Beatles and the Stones and things like that using stock imagery. I mean, most of most photo cut out is stock imagery, but. We have done shoots where we shoot absolutely everything and then cut it out. And some you give it a kind of naive look sometimes to make it look like it's stop motion. Sometimes we actually do stop motion it and you know print it out physically and move it like that. There's a lot of different types of um, photo cutout. And how long does it take? I mean, like like Beatles and uh, versus Stones, for example. What was the timeline on something like that? Well, I was try. What I was trying to do was do an album cover. A day so like some of them are really quite simple they're reaction shots where paul mccartney might go Ooh, at something that's um that might take a couple of hours some of them are a lot more detailed might take a day or two uh, and then you, i think there's about i think it might be 120 different album covers that are all that are all moving yeah, it could be more than that it's been a while since i finished it um 
it's really hard to say. It was a stop, stop, start, stop, start process. But I was always thinking about it while I was working on on paid jobs. I was thinking I want to get back to the the Beatles and the Stones. So I, it was just pure fun. Well, well, you know, one thing that that really impressed me about about the short, you know, not only are things moving around and you got all these great gags and pies throwing and you know the submarine flying around, all these different things, but the reaction shots of, for lack of a better word, I'll call it your your cast, you know, um, John Lennon or whoever, their 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 faces are changing. H- how did you how did you do that? Well, it's um, I've been doing it for so long that I've just got faster <laughs> at doing it, really. So. There's a lot of reaction shots that no one will ever spot, but it was important to me to to um, have John Lennon blink and raise his eyebrows. So essentially you, you cut around the eyeballs, recreate the bits that you can't see so as they can move. Um, oh, wow. Uh, you, you, if you need to, you separate the eyebrows. Uh, otherwise, you can, you can kind of get away with just pushing them about digitally. But most of it is done in quite a laborious way, really. It's, it's closer to analog than, than digital a lot of the time. But, uh, That's fascinating. When you, when you enjoy something, you do it quicker, and uh, because there's no dialogue, no one's talking at all in this in this thing. It's all visual slapstick. So I can listen to music, and that really helps. I listen to loud music, and I just work twice as fast. So <laughs> I don't know. I've got really fast at, at doing it over the years. Well, compared to how I used to be, anyway. So 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 like when and and I don't want to get. I belabor this question too much, but I'm I'm really curious. So, like when you're doing a reaction shot, um, eyebrows moving or eyes blinking or whatever, you've done it so long, you're just you just work through it naturally, or do you have to actually plan out the timing of it? You know, the number of frames, or or do you get that detailed? Uh, I, I suppose I've got kind of um, instinctive uh, timings in my head for things like a blink. It would it'd probably. If we're looking at 25 frames a second, it, this is going to get well boring for the people listening. I've started by saying 25 <laughs> frames a second with this sentence here. Uh, I'm committed now. So they might close their eyes over three or four frames, keep them closed with two or three frames, open them over seven frames. It's just kind of um, in the mind to do that. And then you, it's, it's flexible where you can shift it around because it's it, it's meant to look analog and it's there's a lot of analog kind of processes going on, but it is digital. So you can just shift the reaction shot around and change the timings to when you get it right. And then you move on to the next section when that one's, when that one's done. Circling back to dog judo, the dialogue is so clever and the voice actors are brilliant. Do you record the voices first and then animate, or do you do the voices after the animation? I'm curious uh, what you do and what's maybe industry standard when it comes to voiceover work. Yeah. The industry standard for animation is always audio first. Um, it happens so often on commercial jobs where they say, yeah, we'll get you the audio, we'll get you the voiceover. And then um, they say, oh, we've had a hold up, so you've got to animate it first. And then when you put the voice on afterwards to an animation that's already done, it it never it never matches up. So you've got to have the voice first, definitely. So, yeah, we, Dog, Dog Judo was something I did. probably did that for, for 10 years. Um, yeah, we did, we did a lot of those. That was a, that was a pleasure to work on as well. That was, a, that was a really fun thing. Well, I'm curious, like, kind of what role does sound play in your in your productions overall because you know compared to maybe live action traditional filming where you're kind of doing both at the same time do you take into account different music sound effects whatnot when you're writing or animating your uh productions or is it something you kind of find later on in the post-production process i would always leave a space for for sound effects sound effects are very important so the way we got the, the, the audio on Dog Judo, so for anyone who doesn't know Dog Judo, it's essentially two dogs that stand opposite each other 
and um, the naughty little dog will do a practical <laughs> joke, and um, <laughs> no one will do any judo. So um, it, it's quite formulaic, but reassuringly formulaic. I, I don't want to uh, don't be too negative about that wonderful formula. <laughs> and uh, we would record the voice first, always the voice first, and then you put it together, leave a little space for the sound effects. Um, yeah, pretty straightforward, really. So, you know, one thing that's cool about animation is you can explore, you know, strange and weird and unusual stories like like dog judo dog judo or or beetles versus stones um i'm curious are there particular themes or ideas that you you like to play with as a storyteller that that you're able to do in animation that maybe you couldn't do traditionally in live action yeah well, well uh, fun I, I just like um i like fun stuff I like, I like to make people laugh there's a lot of time when we animate where it is Animation could be fun, and, and you want to you want to do some nice bit of animation. But then you, you listen to the script, and you think the animation is going to get in the way here of the story. So sometimes it's just keeping the animation really, really simple, so as the fun comes through. Like there's a number of things in Dog Judo where instead of showing someone falling over, it's it's funnier just to show a reaction shot of someone looking at them falling over. So it might, <laughs> I mean, we do some very complicated animations uh, a dog and rabbit but um my fa absolute favorite thing is if they're if they're funny that's uh that's what it's about for me is there some sort of project or animation you haven't done yet that you've always wanted to do um i quite fancy doing stones versus beetles next uh, <laughs> no I, I would, <laughs> when i set this project up i really ambitiously like overly ambitiously the, the folder in, on my computer that the beetles versus stones is in is called band battles because i was going to do loads of them I mean, I, I would like in, in some way someone to pay me to um, do loads of bands fighting each other forever. That would be nice. Um, I'm really enjoying what we're doing with the incredible noise box at the moment, which is it's really, really quick animation. We have an idea, make it sometimes in two days. And uh, it's all about quick turnaround, get an idea out there, try and make people laugh. Looks quite nice as well. And uh, that's, that's what I'm enjoying at the moment. The, the um, not not disposable nature because that's uh, that's doing doing it a disservice, but um, but very quick. Animation traditionally has been really laborious. You know, it takes a long time. It, it used to be famous anyway amongst people of um, of my age. It was really hard to do and took a long time. So um, I love the fact that you can do it quicker. It's getting easier to do it quicker with technology and uh, you know just the processor speed of my computer makes me able to do an extra minute of animation a month for or you know for, for want of a better example <laughs> and and where did the idea for noise box come from um well yeah good question um th there is an episode of dog judo called uh, noise box and i just just really like the word noise box so um <laughs> wanted to make stuff that was topical really quick to make it, it's about Generally, it's about technology and um, AI and taking the mickey out of it, having a look at it, giving you a little bit of information, but mainly just um, being really silly. It's just, again, like it's about pure fun. It's about um, just getting getting quick, fun ideas out there as, as quickly as possible and uh, as fun as possible. Do you keep a notebook on ideas? I mean, do you have like, you know, like you might be working on, say, 
maybe there was a gag in, in Beatles versus Stones that you're like, man, that would be really cool to pull off. And then for whatever reason, you don't use it. You know, do you keep, because, you know, I, I keep a notebook of ideas because sometimes they can get moved from one project to another. I'm just curious about your creative process. Do you, do you, you know, write regularly? Do you track ideas? Do you keep a notebook of those things? I write everything down. Yeah, I didn't used to. I, I used to um, remember it all. But then I realized after a while that I, I'm not remembering it all because I was having 20 ideas a day. <laughs> and, and then I would only like, have six ideas when I went, sat down to think about them. So now I write absolutely everything down. And um, I mean, just the process of writing it down helps you remember it anyway. But I've got I've got so many notes on my phone and, and scribbles everywhere. And uh, yeah, every time I have a shower, I have a new brilliant idea. And obviously, I don't shower with my phone, even though it would make, <laughs> it would make sense to. Full, full of idea. There, there's ideas written down everywhere. And most of them are um, disgusting to read back. But it's important to write them down. <laughs> well, that kind of like brings me to a question, which is maybe like, what's the most challenging aspect of animation production that isn't maybe actually animating uh, itself? Is it the ideas part or, or what would it be that maybe people would find surprising? I've I've always found ideas relatively easy, but but that's um, maybe that's just suited my own taste. I, I write ideas that I really like. Doesn't mean that everyone else does. So, but but writing ideas that I like, I find easy. <laughs> yeah. So the, the most challenging part it depends. If you're working for people, it, it's just like you know, if there's a few people in the chain, someone wants to change something, and when you're changing timing, I don't mind changing stuff in animation. It's uh, like I said before, you set the files up. So is there easy enough to change? It's when people change the timings. That's the hardest bit. Yeah, I'm curious when you say when, when they change the timing, what do you mean exactly? It's if, if you've got a, say, a 15 second animation uh, and someone wants to change the middle six seconds, that, that's always tricky. So, sometimes you, it's, it's easier to do the animation from scratch than um, someone changes the timings. Oh, kind of a domino um, effect. If, 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 if they want a gag different in the middle, and you're trying to hit a 15 second spot, for example, that yeah. change sort of dominoes into, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, but that's too negative. I mean, animation's really nice. So that, that's, my, that's my only problem with animation is when, um, when people change something in the middle. But uh, I don't know, there's always ways around it. It's a, it's a, really, it's a really lovely job. I'm, I, um, I'm very lucky to have a job where I essentially do really childish cartoons and, and occasionally people pay for it. It's, it's lovely. I'm I'm curious because you've you know talked about kind of like the evolution of animation and it's become a lot easier. Um, with that kind of knowledge in mind, what advice would you or are you giving to younger people who are just starting their journey in, in the field of animation or are looking to start their journey in animation? Yeah, it's a tricky one. This this is where I, I sometimes sound um, so I sound slightly negative sometimes when I'm when I'm talking about animation to to younger people because, well, at the moment since since the um, I don't know if you heard about it. There was this COVID thing that happened a couple of years back. Um, I don't know if you heard it. Either. <laughs> uh, it's it's changed a lot. The prices kind of went down because there was so much uncertainty around, um, you know, if the planet was going to just cough itself into a different solar system or something. So the the, um, the prices haven't really gone up. It's, there's uh, it's quite tricky at the moment. Animation. There's a lot of animators out there. There's a lot of college courses pushing out animators and um, it feels like people don't really want to pay very much for it at, at the moment, but um, I'm hoping that will change. So now it's tough. Uh, you've got to get a niche. If you're a young animator, you have to find find your own niche, find something that you enjoy doing, that, which um, someone else isn't doing exactly the same. And uh, yeah, you have to, you have to find your own, 
your own thing and push it relentlessly, focus on, on one thing. Do you think there's like a mutual quality or trader instinct most animators have or de develop that kind of bonds the collective field or your peers together that maybe younger people can be more aware of when trying to maybe hone or strengthen that particular, you know, skill or instinct, for example? Um, well, that's a, that's a tough question. Um, I don't know. I, I, I had a, a drink with um, some animator friends who I've known for, for, for 20 years, and um, we were bonded by um, swearing about swearing about the lack of work that is out there at the moment that, that, that bonds animators i think swearing swearing and saying what's the matter with them we're we're bloody good <laughs> well you know circling back to something you said earlier you were talking about um you know creating a a, a distinct style like whether you're a young animator coming up you know kind of finding what I call finding your voice. Um, and when I watch your work, there's definitely a distinctive voice to it, you know, whether it's Dog Jito or the Beatles versus Stones. I mean, it looks like a dog, you know, rabbit production to me. And I'm curious, when you were first animating and experimenting and doing your, your films, what did you do to sort of discover that voice, you know, that, that voice you have when, in, when you, when you uh, create animations and tell stories? Well, I, I, was, I was really lucky. Uh, I... Um... I did a, a master's degree at St. Martin's, which was in illustration, and I I wasn't really doing any illustration. I, I was I was just I found myself just writing ideas all the time, but I wasn't very visual at all. And then at the very end of the course, someone came in and showed us. He did a, a, a two-hour course on After Effects. I didn't know what After Effects was, so for other people that don't know what it is, it's it's made by Adobe, who make Photoshop, and essentially you can move around layers from Photoshop. And that blew my mind. I, I looked at that and I thought, oh my. God, so you can take an image from Photoshop, which I was already messing about with, and um, turn them into animations, and that and that that blew my mind. And then I I only did a couple of animations, and uh, I got kind of um, spotted by Twelve Foot Six Animation Company, who um, started paying me almost almost as soon as I'd started animating. And the, the, one of the first animations I did was was a dog that walks into a um, an adult adult video shop. In, in London Soho, um, which went down, it went down very well because it was, um, it was it's a funny video. I, I wore, I'll tell you a little bit about it. I wore a clip mic, so I had a secret mic. I walked into a shop, uh, which sold adult well, VHS at the time and uh, and DVDs, and uh, I knew I was going to animate it as a dog character walking into a, a shop, and the man <laughs> behind the counter was a cat. So, but he didn't notice. He was a human who thought I was insane because I said, "Hello, mate. Have you got any dog stuff?" And then he laughed, and then I said, "Have you got any? Have you got any dog stuff?" And he said, "No, we're not allowed to sell it." And then sirens kept on going by in the background, so I had to keep on asking him to get a clean record of it. So I was, uh, I was in there for about about three minutes, which is a long time when you're asking a man repeatedly if he's got any dog stuff. And uh, anyway, that that turned out very nice. That was a funny, that was a funny animation, and uh, I was kind of tied into dogs then. From that from that point on, I decided uh, I'm going to animate dogs. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny you know i'm curious the besides maybe like what we've talked about or you've covered which is the money or maybe lack thereof in the industry how do you see the animation industry as a whole evolving in the coming years both maybe commercially and narratively well i think um my, my area of animation is, is 2d animation and and there, there'll always be a place for that so uh, 3d animation you know it's rolling on it's moving on it's getting closer to to real life it's um i, I think very soon, it will be a, just a lot cheaper to um, do 90% of your production in, in 3D rather than actually 
getting the cameras out and the lighting and the, the makeup, wardrobe, your trailers, your catering. So, <laughs> and 3D animation is going to march on. It's going to go in a um, in a different route to us as 2D animators, but there'll always be a place for it. So um, all I know about really is is 2D animation and uh, it will never go out of style because it's beautiful in its own jerky human way. Well, I'm curious what the collaboration process is like, uh, you know, when you're working on a, a project, whether it be corporate or, or you know, just something for fun. Um, I mean, do you work with, you know, a team of writers or do you just come up with these ideas yourself? How does how does that work? What's the collaboration like? Uh, well, when you're working on commercial stuff, normally it would be it would be written by a team, like a, a creative team, an advertising agency. So they give it to us and they ask for ideas. We do a bit of back and forth and like I'd, I might say, this would be good if a Kestrel swooped down at this moment and um, opened the can of drink rather than a finger. And, and they might say, no, we don't need Kestrels in this. But, um, you know, I, I, <laughs> that, that is obviously a, a very silly made up example. But um, there's a little bit of collaboration on that. But the things like Dog Judo and the, the Incredible Noise Box, uh, that, that's just um, me and Dave, the dog and rabbit, coming up with stuff. So... Yeah, I mean, if if someone wants to um, collaborate, we're very collaborative, but uh, you can't be just sitting there on your own and getting the creative juices flowing and um, writing stuff. Well, how did how did Dog and Rabbit start? How did you and Dave meet up? Well, um, I worked for Twelve Foot Six, the animation company that I did that um, that Soho Pervert Dog for. That, that's how that's how we met um, through through that. So that would have been in two thousand and three, I think, and then. Very soon after that, we got commissioned by Virgin, Virgin Media, to do Dog Judo. Oh, wow. So we, we made that for them initially. And then, um, so that was like, it got a, a million views when a million views used to be a lot in the old days. So that was, uh, it was truly viral, Dog Judo was initially. And then, um, so it was meant to be like just four animations, but then it carried on for quite a long time. And then... After that ended, we we um we carried it on. So we had the intellectual property for it and, and carried it on and got lots of guest stars in, like uh, famous famous actors and and people to play uh, play my father and my, and my sister. I'm Roy from Dog Judo, by the way. When I say me, <laughs> <laughs> so I I was um I was a dog animator really. So that's where the dog of Dog and Rabbit comes because when Twelve Foot Six broke up um, nine years ago, uh, Dave was half of Twelve Foot Six and. Um, Dave and I formed the company Dog and Rabbit. So when we're looking for a name, I was very much a dog animator and he was um, associated with a, a, a comic strip called Bastard Bunny, which used to be in 2000 AD comic and uh, the enemy music magazine, lots, lots of other places. So he, he had a lot of success with that. Uh, there was a decent amount of success with, with dog judos and um, dogs and rabbits. It's a, it's a good name. And the, the logo, the bone and the carrot crossing, it just had to be. <laughs> well, it's 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 a good logo, and you guys have done some amazing work. Uh, so tell people where they can find you. Where can they see your work? So we got we got our website dogandrabbit.com. There's there's lots of uh, lots of work there. We're, we're also um, all over your usual social media places, of course. The, the incredible noise box that we've been doing over the last couple of months. I've just been busy animating it and writing it and enjoying it. That I haven't actually promoted it at all. So. No one knows about it yet, but uh, but there's a lot of videos coming out on that. Lots more to come. You can find that incredible noise box. It's on it's on what I'd call too many social media places because it's too much admin doing all that. But it's on TikTok, whatever that is. Um, doing very well on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
YouTube. If you do it at Incredible Noise Box, you'll find that you can't miss the Incredible Noise Box, hosted by a beautiful robot called Layla, who is essentially a box uh, with, with no eyebrows. <laughs> uh, most boxes haven't got eyebrows, but it's very rare for me not to do a character with eyebrows because eyebrows are the most expressive part of the uh, of the human or of any character. Whatever character you do, stick eyebrows on it because uh, you can be very expressive. Incredible noise box, no eyebrows, robot box. It, it's um, it's all over the place. That is, um, if you type in dog and rabbit animation, you'll find us. Well, Andrew, this has been fun chatting with you, and uh, I, I really love love the films you're doing. Beatles and Stones was just that was that was really really incredible. I'm I'm anxious for you to get it out there for everybody to see. So, uh, well, keep us posted on what you're working on, and um, circle back sometime. We'd love to have you on the show again. Yeah, that would be good. I'll um I'll get good at talking before I come on next time. That that was that'd be a, a good tactic, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long week. It's been a very long week, so. Uh, I don't think I've said anything of value, but I've enjoyed it nonetheless. So, yeah, would, uh, <laughs> would love to speak to you again. That sounds great. Well, you take care, sir. Thank you very much. You too. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Filmmaker Mixer podcast, a podcast created and hosted by filmmakers Jeff Stolen and Andrew Lamping and produced by Melody Lopez. Our theme music was composed by the man with the luminous smile, Stephen D. Bennett. Make sure to follow or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to us on and stay tuned for future episodes.